right? Well, thank you. Thank you so much for the kind words. And uh, I'm not very high tech this morning. I've got a spiral notebook with me. Uh, some of you uh, know a little bit about uh, our life over in Ludington. I actually work a job as a computer programmer and uh, that uh, helps uh, meet some of the needs of my family. And here I am with a notebook and notebook paper. But um, I get tired of looking at the screen all week, and so sometimes I like to put the pen down and just put it on the paper. Uh, Before we get to uh, the Word of God this morning, I do want to encourage you. It's exciting to hear uh, about the missions program here at Trinity Baptist Church, and because of that program, as uh, Pastor Ferguson shared, uh, our family was a beneficiary and has been over the years uh, of you all and your giving uh, to missions. And uh, I just want to encourage you that because of the giving to missions here, there are giving people that are giving to missions over there. And uh, I just happened to have a prayer card in my Bible a couple weeks ago. Uh, Some of our dear friends, Nathan and Becky Jones, and their girls uh, were with us. They're on furlough uh, from the Rankin Inlet, uh, which is on the northwest shore of the Hudson Bay. Uh, and uh, they minister to the Arctic Inuit people. And uh, so they came down to the balmy southern states of uh, Michigan and uh, told us about their ministry, and they've been laboring there for 10 years. And because of the missions program here, there's another missions program over there. And uh, that's the idea. And another thing about giving, I just want to encourage you all, Pastor Ferguson didn't ask me to say any of these things, uh, so if I say something I shouldn't, it's not his fault. Giving to missionaries is fun, and it's a joy. And I'm not saying that just because I have been the recipient. I'm saying that because, it's to me, it's more fun to give. You know the New Testament says God loveth a cheerful giver? And uh, to give cheerfully is a great thing understand. If you look up the root word of cheerful, we get our word hilarious from it. Do you find that kind of joy in being able to give? Uh, I've met some people that give that way, and uh, it's rubbed off on me a little bit. I, I would love to have an unlimited ability to be able to give as God shows me needs. It's great. It's fun. And uh, you don't want to miss out on a chance uh, to give to God's work through missions. All right. So we're going to turn to a book that you might not expect to hear at a missions emphasis sermon. That's going to be the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel, and if you're not sure where Ezekiel's at, it's uh, Matthew, Mark, Ezekiel. I'm just kidding. It's not there. Uh, It's right before the book of Daniel, uh, if that helps at all, uh, in the Old Testament. The reason I'm having you turn to Ezekiel is Ezekiel was given a very important job in the generation in which he lived. God gave him a title. And I feel like that title applies to us and applies to the work of missions today. And I think there's very clear parallels before, before us from the Word 
in what Ezekiel was given to do and what we have been given to do. And the title that God gave Ezekiel, or the job he gave him, is that of a watchman. He was a watchman, and I want today for us to learn what it means to be a watchman and how we can be effective watchmen for the cause of Christ. If you were here in Sunday school, we learned about church planting from the book of Acts and how the church was spread out because of persecution. And it was the work of the people to go everywhere and preach the gospel. Everyone except the apostles. We often think the apostles are the ones that went out and did all of the work. And they did a lot. But the church of Jerusalem was scattered. Everyone except the apostles went out and preached throughout the region. And I want to encourage Trinity Baptist Church today to be involved in the work of preaching the gospel. God may call some of you, as Pastor Ferguson was having children raise their hands. And I thought about that. I thought about when I was a child. When I used to sit down over here where my son's sitting, it was right about in that spot where I used to sit and sometimes pay attention as I should. It depended on if I was sitting next to Pastor Ferguson or not. I'll let you determine whether that was good or bad. But uh, And then Phil Pritchard was in there and Tim Baker and some of other friends. and All depending on things, different circumstances. I remember sitting there and hearing preachers come through and talk about these topics. And, and wondering, Lord, what do you have for me? In fact, I remember... One year, I think it was the first year I ever went to Harvest Fest. And uh, every year when I come back to Harvest Fest, I walk over to the spot in the field. The tent's in a different place now. It was on the other side of the field uh, that year. But I remember going and kneeling in front of a bale of straw. I don't remember who the preacher was that year, but I remember the Lord confronted me with the fact that I had not surrendered my future, my will, to his. What would he want me to do with the rest of my life? I remember kneeling in front of that bale of straw and saying, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. And some of you have had an impact on my life and had had an impact up to that point. And I don't have time to, to list all of it. I remember... Mrs. Lunny and her missionary stories and uh, presenting the missionary as the hero that we all would want to follow after and also tossing out some bubble gum to help us pay attention. And uh, those things were important. I remember going home feeling like, wouldn't that be neat to be able to go to the mission field and be used of God to reach people who have never heard? So I had you turn to Ezekiel. Let's get to the word now. Ezekiel, chapter number 2. Ezekiel, chapter number 2. And we find where the Lord begins the work of calling Ezekiel. Ezekiel 2, and verse number 1. It says, And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet. And I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me. And he set me upon my feet. 
that I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me even unto this very day. For they are an impundent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. Can we pray for just a moment, and then we'll get into this. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that's before us now. Thank you for the call that you gave to Ezekiel, and I pray that we might see that as applicable to us today. I pray that you might work through your word, through your spirit. Lord, I don't know the different circumstances that people find themselves in this morning. There's no way I can understand the needs and the burdens on hearts today. But Lord, you know, and I pray that we would be attentive. I pray that we'd be moldable to your spirit and to your will. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, these first four verses that we read, we find God telling Ezekiel, he tells him to stand up and listen because I have a job for you to do, Ezekiel. I'm going to use you. I'm going to give you this commission. I want you to go and speak unto the people. And I'm going to give you a message. And in general... That message is summarized in, at the end of verse number 4. What was the message Ezekiel was supposed to take? Thus saith the Lord God. Now, what did God say? We're going to hear that in a little bit. We're going to learn more about it. But in general, the commission that Ezekiel had was to take God's message to the children of Israel. Now, you might notice God told us that the children of Israel at this time were a rebellious nation. That sounds like a fun job, doesn't it? Ezekiel, I want you to go to a bunch of rebels and tell them what I have to say. I can only imagine the different messages God gave to Ezekiel and the work that Ezekiel had in front of him. And later on, we're going to learn God is going to tell Ezekiel they're not going to listen to you. Now that seems pretty tough, doesn't it? Now, Lord, I'm happy to go to a mission field where we can pack out any tent we have because we're giving away Bibles and people come and they want to hear the gospel and they're saved by the multitudes. Lord, use me in that field. But Lord, please don't send me to a place where we labor for years and the fruit is much smaller in number. Ezekiel didn't say, Lord, why would you send me there? I don't want to go to these people. They won't listen to me. God said, here's your job, Ezekiel. You go and you give them my word. I think about this in the New Testament. We have certain verses in the New Testament that we title Great Commission Passages. Some of you have these memorized. Uh, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Um, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. That's one of the Great Commission passages. Another is, but uh, ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, from the book of Acts. And uh, ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus gives the commission to the disciples to go and preach. Preach the gospel to every creature. I know there are some that get sidetracked by other issues. They get distracted by things. I remember one year here at Trinity Baptist Church, I was, I was uh, helping with a vacation Bible school, and uh, there, there was a young man that uh, raised his hand, a little, little boy raised his hand and said he wanted to know about how he could be saved, and he came back to talk to me, and, and I said, young man, you raised your hand, what did you come back, what, what did you want to talk about with me today? And he said, do you believe in aliens? I said, well, that's something we could talk about later, but today, do you remember what the story was about? Well, I want to know about aliens. He said, well, I, I'm glad you came back and talked to me. I mean, why don't you have a seat over here and, and uh, just listen the rest of the week for me, would you? Anybody get distracted by aliens? I hope not. But some of us do get distracted by certain doctrines. We get our favorite things that we like to debate and to discuss, and sadly we sometimes wrestle about things that have very little profit and we miss the main point of what we're supposed to be doing. I love discussing the Word of God. And I like looking at every word and finding and making sure we're rightly dividing the Scriptures. That's so important that we do that. But let's not forget... We're supposed to go and preach the word. Not just debate it amongst ourselves from now until when Christ returns. The word is what's powerful. And it will work in the hearts of men if we go and we give it. So Ezekiel was called to go and give them, Thus saith the Lord. But he had to prepare first. And this is interesting. Some of you are going to like this. Can you imagine if I said, I got a big job for you and here's what I want you to prepare. Sit down at the table and have a good meal. How many of you could prepare like that? I'm looking forward to whatever we have for lunch. At our church, we have lunch uh, every Sunday. And uh, we have uh, one particular lady who's responsible and does a great job. And she provides the main course for us every week. The problem is... Our fellowship hall is attached to our auditorium. And so depending on what's cooking in the kitchen, that smell wafts throughout the auditorium. And when uh, Pastor Ferguson said, when I finish preaching this afternoon, Pastor Toman looked at me and said, you're not going past noon, are you? <laughs> I don't intend to. Um, but at our church, that's almost impossible because that smell comes into the auditorium and you can see people starting to get a little fidgety. Uh, and so we know how to eat. And interestingly, God uses that as a picture of what Ezekiel needed to do to be prepared to preach. Let's look down a little bit. Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 8. 
He says, But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. And when I looked, behold, a hand was sent unto me, and lo, a roll of a book was therein. And he spread it before me, and it was written within and without, and there were written within lamentations and mourning and woe. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest, eat this roll, and go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. Now I admit, this is a little bit unusual We don't normally tell people to eat books. Um, And we could make jokes because Ezekiel actually was supposed to eat a roll. And I do enjoy a good homemade yeast roll, but that's not what this was. This was a scroll of a book. Uh, We don't use scrolls. We found a more efficient way. We can print on two sides and bind it in the middle. It's a little easier. We don't have to scroll down to the New Testament and scroll back to the Old Testament or carry a couple. Uh, it works much better for us. Or Some of us are pretty high-tech and can swipe there on our iPad or our phone. I, I have that as well. But I'm glad Ezekiel didn't have to eat an iPad. But uh, God gave him this roll and said, eat. You might say, this is so strange. What is he talking about? And... I'll admit, Ezekiel is full of a lot of language that is puzzling. And a lot of it is very symbolic of what actually happens when we digest the Word of God. Now, I've never eaten physically paper and ink on purpose that I can remember. But you know what happens when I eat food? Some of you know you've studied biology or digestion. I'm not going to get into the details of all of that. But you ever hear someone say you are what you eat? Okay. People get on lots of diets, you know, low-carb diets, gluten-free diets, only organic, you know, things like that. I I enjoy, I, I saw a bacon diet at one point seem to work quite well. Um, Try to convince my wife that we should follow that as a family. It's been a challenge, but uh, what we eat changes our physical body. Our physical food changes us. And here's the lesson for us here from Ezekiel. He was supposed to take the Word of God to a nation that it was in desperate need of the truth. But before he could take it to them, it needed to become a part of who he was. And some of us sit and are intimidated by the idea of telling someone the gospel because we have not let the word of God dwell in us richly. And we feel unprepared 
We feel inadequate. A part of that comes down to saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to obey and I ask you to use me. You know, sometimes I say the most foolish things, though I've prepared and I've studied, and it seems to be sometimes when I can't find the words, that's when God does some of the greatest work. But that doesn't mean we don't prepare. That doesn't mean we don't study. That doesn't mean we don't get into the Word of God and let it become a part of us. The Bible uses another word that tells us that we should meditate. It uses the word meditate. We should meditate upon the Word of God. Uh, you can read the, the largest psalm in the book of Psalms, Psalm 119, and it is full of instruction and exhortation and love for the Word of God. That we should meditate upon it. That it should be our joy. And if you let the Word of God become such a part of your heart and your mind and your life, it will change you. It will change the way you think. It will change the way you talk. And you'll be able to go forth and tell people the truth because it's become a part of you. Now, I, I'm not familiar with the status of things here at the church, so I don't, if I step on any toes, I apologize. But you ever meet somebody that's gotten involved in one of these, um, what are they called? They're not called multi-level. They're called network marketing um, companies. And uh, they, we see them come and go throughout the years. They, when I was a kid, and they're all over. Now Facebook is the greatest tool to promote how we're so excited about this thing. And, I, and there's a couple ladies in our area, they're not a part of our church, but I, I've known them from the community. There's a couple ladies that are into a, a makeup business of some sort, and they, they want to show you every morning them putting on their makeup and how amazing the transformation is. And they are convinced about the great product. And I have no wisdom about makeup, so I can't tell you whether it's great or not. I, and you don't want your pastor to have wisdom about makeup. So I know nothing about it. I'm not promoting, nor am I discouraging. All I'm saying is, they're convinced, and you can tell it when they talk to you. Because they've experienced it, and it's made a difference for them. How can you expect to go tell someone about the Word of God if you don't know it? You don't read it. You don't walk in it. You go tell them about this greatest diet fad ever and you need to sign up and it'll change your life. And they say, well, has it changed your life? Well, I haven't actually done it yet, but I've read that it's great. Well, I'm not going to buy from you. I want to see someone with results. And so we meditate upon the word of God. Meditation is not just some new age religious fad. Meditation is the act of taking a truth and thinking upon it, pondering it in our hearts, remembering it throughout our day, talking about it with our friends and family, letting it impact us. Do any of you have a plan to memorize God's Word? You know, I've been amazed at some of the different religions around the world where people memorize entire books. You know, there are some within the Muslim community that 
strive to memorize the entire Koran. You know, I think about that. How many people love the Word of God enough to memorize just one of the 66 books? And you all say, Pastor, that's crazy. Memorize the whole book? Well, what about somebody that memorizes their entire, the the Koran? I'm not putting the Koran on the same level of the Bible. No way. But there's something in them that says, I'm going to memorize the whole book. And here we've got 66. You can start with Jude or something or or a a small one. Don't, Don't start with Ezekiel. But do we love the Word of God? Do we read it and meditate upon it? And you know, I'm going to be honest with you. There are some days that I get up and I just pour into the Word of God and I enjoy it and I want to learn more and I want to see more and God is showing me all these amazing things. And there are some mornings that I've worked until midnight the night before and I get up in the morning and I go, uh, I don't know about this. Or, or uh, later in the day it dawns on me, I need to spend some time in the Word and I've got some minutes here and I don't know. I'm not into it today. And you know what? The best thing I find to do is to just cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, give me a passion for the Word of God today. Just be honest with Him. Lord, I don't have the passion I wish I had today, but I pray that You'd give me something and give me a hunger. Give me a thirst. Don't let me satisfy my hunger with the food at the table. Don't let me satisfy my hunger with the things that I see online. That uh, I just fill my mind with stuff, news articles, even articles about theology, stuff that other pastors write. Fill my mind with all those things and neglect your word. Because the world needs people to come and say, thus saith the Lord. And you need to know what saith the Lord, so you can tell people this is what he said. So eat the word. Feast upon the truth. That's what Ezekiel did in a very real picture for us to see. God says, here, eat this. And he said it was sweet. It went down into me. And did you notice what was odd What did the word say? It was filled with lamentations and mourning and woe. That does not sound like a sweet book. But when he ate it, it was sweetness in his belly. Here's here's the lesson. That we take the truth of God. The message that this world needs to hear, it may not always be health and wealth and prosperity. I have a a missionary friend in Africa, and there is a prosperity gospel movement in Africa that misquotes scripture and basically tells these people that are stricken in poverty that if you come to Jesus, he will make you rich. And they can pack out every building in town that they want to get because everybody wants to be rich. The problem is it's a lie. They don't need to be rich. They need someone that will come and tell them the truth. God may bless them with some materials. But you want to be popular, 
in a rebellious generation, tell them what they want to hear. There are some ministries in our world and in our country that are very successful because that's what they do. Not thus saith the Lord, thus saith, what would you like me to tell you? What kind of church would you like to come to? Does Ezekiel offend you? It's okay, it's okay. Uh, we, We can go to something lighter and softer. No. It's sweet to know we are preaching the truth. Because that is the only thing that will truly transform. The true gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that will save a man's soul. And though sin is hard to preach about, and though judgment is hard to preach about, hell is hard to preach about. It's hard to think about. But Jesus talked about it often. Those are hard things. People don't like to listen to those things. But it is sweet to know we are telling someone the truth because here's the next thing I want you to see. Ezekiel was given this commission and he was given the preparation, but then God showed him the responsibility. And that's in chapter 3. Look, look down at verse 16. Ezekiel 3.16. And it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet, if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, He shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. The last thing I want you to think about with me is Ezekiel's responsibility. He was a watchman, and a watchman has a responsibility to tell people of danger. God gives him the example of the wicked man, that he's headed in his wicked ways. And if you see the wicked man as the watchman, and you say nothing, and he perishes in his wickedness, you will bear some responsibility. Now, I want to be careful here. I don't want someone to be paranoid of their responsibility to the point that they go to a shopping mall. Do we use those anymore? We live in a town that doesn't have shopping malls. When we, when we moved to Ludington, my wife says, they don't have a shopping mall. And we don't miss it anymore at all. Uh, it's great. We have to drive an hour to get to a shopping mall. But it's great. It's, it's helpful on our budget sometimes, too. But I don't want to get distracted from my point here. I don't want someone to be so paranoid of the fact that if they go into a crowded building, a shopping mall, for instance, or you go to watch a a game at a stadium and you feel an obligation that you must give every person in this building 
a gospel witness of some sort. Uh, Because the Lord gives us opportunity to preach. He gives us opportunity to speak. But I do wonder, maybe we need to be pushed that direction a little bit to think about the fact that there are souls perishing around us. And though I don't have the capability to talk to every person in the shopping mall, maybe the person standing next to me in line and we're both frustrated because the customer service isn't so great and we've been waiting in this line for so long, maybe there's an opportunity for me to be like my Savior and for me to talk with this person in the line about him. Maybe. Do we think that way? I remember there was a group in our community that they were actually preaching a false gospel, but they were so committed to uh, their teaching that they, they printed up equivalent of our gospel tracts, and uh, they went into the mire, and they, they uh, started slipping any product at mire that they felt was sinful. They were slipping tracts into the packaging. Of, so they went through, and they went down the beer aisle, and they were putting tracts in all of the beer cases for people to go home and open up. And then they started to spread that out and they started to just throw them in carts and give it was there it, it got to be quite a thing and I knew some of the people working at Meyer and they had to put an end to this. No 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 we can't do this at Meyer. You can't be putting stuff in our products. But I wonder do we feel an obligation to reach people with the truth? You see Ezekiel had this responsibility upon his shoulders. God said, their blood will I require at thine hand. That is a big deal. I remember back to the summer of 1996. Some of you also remember that summer. I remember standing up here on this platform. The carpet was blue. I don't think it was quite this tall. I, I feel really tall today. I don't think it was quite this tall. It wasn't quite this long, but we stood on this platform, the teenagers, and we performed some music and some skits that we had learned and practiced to take to the people of Ireland. I remember there was a funny skit where I stood up here and I said, the Boy Scouts of America. Some of you remember that skit. I wore a merit badge task because I was actually a Boy Scout. And uh, my wife, though we weren't uh, dating or interested in each other at the time, she stood there and she did a cooking show. She's not here at the moment, but she, she uh, acted out a cooking show. And we did some funny things, but we did another skit. And I think it was written by Amy Carmichael, if I remember correctly. And it was a dream that she had had of people walking across a grassy meadow. And they were headed to the edge of a great cliff, a great precipice. And as they were moving across the grass, she saw them and they were walking as if they had no idea that they were about to fall to their death. And then she realized that they were blind. And they couldn't see the danger. Because they were blind. And she started to cry out to stop them, to stop, turn around, go back. 
Can you imagine how evil a person would have to be to stand there and watch the blind people walk off the edge of the cliff? Do you see the lesson here? We have the truth. We know there is a penalty for sin. And it is serious. And it is heavy. And it is eternal. But there is one who took the penalty for our sin. And though this world is blind and in darkness for many reasons, and their eyes have been blinded to so many things, we have been awakened to the truth. And they're marching, they're walking to the edge. And do we say anything? Or are we afraid of what they'll think of us? Are we afraid of public opinion? I have felt those pressures before. But I can tell you as I've gotten a little bit older, I used to say as I've gotten older and everyone would chuckle, and now people don't chuckle anymore. Why is that? When I started pastoring, what I was 22 years old, and I'd say, as I've gotten older, and people would, ha, 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 he's not old. Now I say, as I've gotten older, no one laughs anymore. As I've gotten older, you know what? I've learned it doesn't matter what people think about you. What matters is what the Lord Jesus Christ thinks. What matters is what is true. What matters is what will last for eternity. Do we care so much that someone would think we were foolish here? Or do we care more about their eternal soul? Do we care to sacrifice now so that we can help send people to preach where we could never go the gospel in a dark place in this world through through missions? Do we see that we are responsible? It's a heavy burden that God lays upon Ezekiel. The wicked are marching to destruction. And if you warn them, they will be accountable only. But if you don't warn them, I'm going to require their blood at your hand. I remember in that skit I referred to that we did. I I don't have the, the script of it. I don't have it all memorized. But I remember a line that came from the book of Genesis that said, The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And I remember that as a teenager and how that made me feel. The responsibility to go to those around me. That the voice of their blood would not cry. Anything about me. I know this is not an easy thing to think about. But I wonder, who is it that you know even this morning God has laid upon your heart that I need to talk to that person about Christ? I need to be willing to tell them the truth. And you might already have in your mind, well, they'll respond this way. They'll reject. They'll laugh. They'll turn away. I'll fumble over my words and I'll say something foolish. And you know, 
I can't tell you how someone will respond. A lot of times, though, my imagination talks me out of things that are totally not true. And the enemy loves that. Go ahead and think about what they're going to say, but you know what? I've had many people that say, I can't believe someone came to talk to me. I remember a young, uh, a young couple in our town. This was many years ago when we were first starting the church. Uh, some of you know uh, Luke and Heather Moore, Pastor uh, Ferguson's sister and, and uh, brother-in-law. And they came to Ludington to help us for the first few years of planting the church. And he and I were out uh, making a visit on a couple. Someone had said, you need to go visit this couple. And I knew that there was a chance they would be antagonistic towards the gospel. And I, I wasn't really excited about making that visit. I know you think pastors are always excited about going and visiting somebody, but all the way there I was thinking, what's going to happen? They're going to be mad. They're going to, why am I even doing this? This is foolish. It's a waste of time. And we got to the house, and guess what? There were no cars parked in the drive, and there was no garage. So I thought, yeah, we probably don't even need to go up to the door. And I thought, no, we've come out here. I have Luke with me, so we encourage one another. And I said, let's at least go knock on the door. So we went up to the front door, and we knocked. And it wasn't a real pounding knock. It wasn't silent, but I knocked, and nobody answered. And I knocked again, and nobody answered. I thought, well, Lord, I've done my duty. And then Luke said, why don't we try around the back door? Okay. So we walked around the back door. I thought, there's no point. There's no car. There's no sound from inside. We knocked on the back door. And I heard something inside the house. The door opened. And a young lady came to the door and she was crying. And uh, I said, hello, my name's Brad Shandonette and I'm the pastor at Gospel Light Baptist Church in town. And some folks suggested maybe we should come out and, and visit you. And she said, please come in. And Luke and I came in and we sat down. And she said, I just found out some very, very difficult news. And I was sitting here at the table, and I don't really know God, but I, I said, Lord, would you send somebody that could help me? And as I prayed that, you knocked on my door. And I just got chills. That doesn't happen every day. That's an amazing story. That she says, Lord, send somebody. And I've been talking myself out of it. And I go, as she says, Lord, send somebody. And there we are at the door. And then I thought, Lord, this is serious. I have no idea what to tell this young lady. Why are you sending me? I need you. But we took the responsibility seriously enough that we said, I'm not going to talk myself out of it. Though there's times I want to, and some of you know what I'm talking about because you've had the same thoughts in your mind. God has a bigger plan. And you know what? Sometimes, to leave you on a encouraging note, sometimes people reject In fact, Ezekiel was told they won't listen. They're going to be stiff-necked. 
but I want you to go. And sometimes we get hung up and discouraged by numbers. Sometimes we go and we we knock on doors or we talk to our neighbors and we're going to get serious about winning souls and we work hard at it and we don't see fruit. And we see people reject and we hear somebody else that they went out and five people trusted Christ and I haven't seen people trust Christ in five months. And we say, this isn't worth it. Here's the thing. What did Christ call you to do? He said, go and preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't say, unless they don't listen. He said, go and preach the gospel to every creature. What did he say to Ezekiel? If the wicked is going in his wicked way, you tell him the truth. Leave the results in God's hands. I had to learn that early on. We went to Ludington, and we worked as hard as we knew how to. We tried all kinds of things. We did all kinds of things. And the church didn't grow to 200 in the first year. The church didn't grow to 200 in the first 10 years. And I remember coming back to some pastor's conferences. I remember a conference... In this auditorium, it wasn't uh, put on by Trinity necessarily. They used their building for a, a pastor's fellowship. And I remember hearing a pastor get up and talk about how he planted a church. And in a couple weeks, they had 80 people. And they never turned around. And now they're one of the largest churches in their area. And I had been in Ludington for about two years. And I remember sitting back there and feeling just so discouraged about, Lord, why don't we have 200 people? Lord, why, why haven't I seen droves of souls saved? And then another pastor must have saw me, came over and said, hey, let me tell you something. You're only hearing the good side of that story. <laughs> let me tell you some other things that you didn't hear. He said, God hasn't called us to build the biggest church in town or in our area. He's called us to preach his word and be faithful. And if he blesses I pray one day he blesses with hundreds of souls saved. You ever pray that God would save every person in your town? (laughs) That'll never happen. Well, maybe he'd start with one and use you. I would love to see everybody in Mason County know the gospel and trust Christ. But it's really not up to me to make someone believe. That's impossible. I can't make anybody believe anything. All I can do is preach the truth. And So I just want to encourage you, as we think about missions, we think about evangelism, we think about our our world that is perishing in darkness, do we live in a world that is rebellious to God's truth? Of course we do. Some of the filth and the vileness that's promoted in our culture, the hatred of God's truth, Ezekiel lived in a day like that. And God said, take the word of God, make it a part of who you are, and go and tell them. And sadly, some are still going to perish, but you must tell them. We don't live in Ezekiel's day, but our day is very similar. We don't have the exact same commission Ezekiel had, but we have a very clear one. Go, preach the gospel to every creature.
Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. What are you doing for the cause of missions? Give to the missions program. Give to help missionaries and get them to where they need to go. But also, also, what are you doing to work in the harvest? Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And you know what I'm looking at here? I'm looking at a room full of laborers. We all should be laboring in the harvest. Lord, how can you use me? I I don't have the gifts of this person, but you can use me. How can you use me to be a laborer in your harvest? Are we watchmen for our generation? God needs some. Maybe you're here this morning and God is speaking to your heart. Convicting you. Maybe you don't feel called to the mission field. Maybe you don't feel called to plant a church. But have you at least struggled with the possibility? Have you at least laid it at the feet of the Lord and said, Lord, do you want me to go? Do you want me to go into something extraordinary in in the work of the harvest? Maybe you need to lay it. Lord's feet, Lord, would you help me to get over my fear? Would you help me to get over my pride and what other men think of me? Would you help me to love you so much that I just have to tell people about you? Maybe there's a person that God has just so burdened your heart with that you need to bring before him and say, Lord, would you use me to reach this soul? Would you give me an opportunity this week to speak the truth? And maybe today the Lord has burdened you that you know you need to go, but you also know you're not prepared because you've not feasted on the Word of God. You you look at it on the shelf like We look at a pantry full of food. We have the pantry full and our stomach is growling. And somehow we can fill it with something else. And you just just don't feel prepared. God says, take, eat. Fill yourself with this book. Be so full of the word of God that it just changes. It's on the tip of your tongue. You're ready to take the truth because you know it. And now you can share it.